All right, everybody, welcome into Irrefutable Sports. This is episode three. Uh, we are recording on Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, it's May 10th, 2020, and we're coming at you live again, remote via remote. Uh, my name is Lucas, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Hello, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. All right, everybody. So uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, ben, what, uh, what are we going after for our first topic today? Today, uh, for our first topic, we're going to talk about the 2020 NFL schedule release that was this past Thursday. Uh, I think it looks like a you know, great schedule. It's going to be a great season if we can uh, play these games. I think it's going to be a fantastic season. We get things kicked off on Thursday, September 10th. The Houston Texans head to Kansas City to take on the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, obviously, it's a rematch of that divisional playoff game that Houston blew a 24-point lead. Uh, so that should be highly entertaining. Obviously, no DeAndre Hopkins for the Texans. Um, other big week one games. Um, at noon, you have um, Gre- uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers heading to Minnesota to play Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Packers were 2-0 against Minnesota last year as they rolled on to their 13-3 and season. Um, another huge, huge week one game is you have the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks heading to New Orleans to play Drew Brees. That is going to be a 3.30 Fox game. Um, Sunday night football that week, you open up the new SoFi Stadium in L.A. as we have the Rams hosting the Dallas Cowboys. They've had some good games over the years. Last year, as we know, both of them barely missed the playoffs. A year before that, they played each other in the playoffs. So that should be a good one. Monday night football features, uh, well, the doubleheader as always week one. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants should be interesting. Big Ben, you know, coming back from that uh, elbow injury. He's now now 38 years old. How will he play? Daniel Jones had a, you know, up and down rookie season, but, you know, he showed a lot of potential. He threw, I believe, like 24 touchdowns and 13 starts. So that's a very good sign for a rookie. Um, And then the other Monday night football game is Tennessee Titans at the Denver Broncos, the late one. Also, another interesting game, you know, the, the revamped Denver Broncos offense, getting Jerry Judy um, and Melvin Gordon over there, going against Tan- the newly, you know, re-signed Ryan Tannehill for Tennessee and Derrick Henry, the rushing leader, who just ran right through the Patriots and Ravens in the playoffs. So I, I think that's a pretty good week one slate. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of other good games throughout the whole season, but uh, I mean, We'll talk about those as we go, I, I guess. I mean, you, you've known the opponents for, for months now, who teams are going to play. It just matters kind of when they are. Uh, Lucas, do you have any more thoughts on the schedule? What do you think of those week one matchups that I talked about? Um, I mean, I think if you, I want to highlight just a couple of them. Um, personally, I think that second Monday night game could be a track game for the Titans after coming off an off year last year. Um, I don't have a lot of... But you know this, I don't have a lot of faith in Ryan Tannehill being the same Ryan Tannehill that he was last year. Um, he was very lucky. He, I wanna, he was very lucky last year. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a Titans fan, uh, you better hope Ryan Tannehill can be the same Ryan Tannehill he was last year because you're going to be paying that man uh, a lot of money now for uh, a couple of years. So uh, if you're a Titans fan, you know, you definitely got to hope that that production sustains itself. Uh, unfortunately, I do not think it will be. Um but on the other side, Ben, you know, there's a lot of question marks to that Broncos team. You know, they did add some explosiveness on offense, but uh, personally, I still have not seen enough from Drew Locke to prove that he um, he's going to be able to be step up and be a franchise QB. Um, so 
<clears throat> while I would give the Broncos a little bit of a leg up in that one, I'm also not uh, I'm not certain that what's going to happen, especially if you look at what might happen with training camp and OTAs and whether they're actually going to be able to happen at any point this summer uh, is going to be interesting. Obviously, you're going to have some kind of training camp in, but you know the NFL has talked about things like having an abbreviated preseason and things like that. Or, or uh, even so, canceling it in total. They've talked about right. it. So those are... So those are all uh, things you have to think about um, going into those week one games. And it could mean that I've heard a lot of uh, analysts out there on other sports podcasts or shows talking about how that might give the people with more experience a leg up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in that one. I think uh, uh, it's uh, kind of an interesting game, but uh, I, I don't really personally, I don't see either of those teams making massive splashes this year. It'll just be inter- interesting to see how that will turn out. Uh, the other games I look at um, being the most interesting during week one, obviously that KC-Houston um, rematch will be an interesting game to see what uh, the Texans offense will look like without um, without DeAndre Hopkins, to see whether they're going to take any steps back now that they, they don't have that sort of explosive playmaking on the outside. Uh, they did add some people, obviously. Um, but when you're talking about uh, getting rid of an explosive playmaker like that, it's going to be inter- interesting to see how they can make that work. Uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans will be a really interesting game to see Tom Brady, obviously, in another uniform. I think everybody's going to be kind of a little interested and kind of not, not, not disturbed. Disturbed not the right word, but just kind <laughs> of really highly surprised to see Tom Brady wearing another uniform. Because we all know what's going to happen at this point because uh, he signed it and everything. But at this point, you know, it's going to look interesting to see what that ha- what that looks like. To see Gronk step back in the field probably, again, with um, limited offseason preparation. Uh, I know he's a veteran, but coming in after not playing football for over a year, it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to be like early in the season. Uh, can he stay healthy? That's some big question marks for them. How, how much is Brady's body even despite his time-altering habits, how much is his body deciding to – how much is his body going to give on him? Uh, and then you look at the other game I want to talk about, obviously, from a Packers perspective, is their matchup with the Vikings because I think that one could be very interesting. Uh, week one, obviously, if you're a Packers fan, you know those games are usually always very contested games. They're very close. Uh, generally, there's a lot of defense played in those games. Yeah, ever since the Vikings got Mike Zimmer as a coach, um, those Packer Viking games have been very good, very mm-hmm. close. Vikings ever since they've had Zimmer as a coach, as much as you know, as a Packer fan, I kind of dislike the guy. He's they win, or they're the worst they do with Mike Zimmer is five hundred if they have like a bunch of injuries or something, and that's yeah, very rarely mm-hmm. that happens. You know, he's been the, five years now. The biggest compliment I would give Mike Zimmer as a Packers fan is his teams are always extremely well prepared. You know, yep. Uh, yep. You can tell you can tell that his coat, his whole uh, philosophy is preparation. His defenses always know what to look for uh, coming into games. His players play with really high football IQ on both sides of the ball, and he's generally leans towards being more conservative on the offensive end. But that's because like of his preparation. Power run, power run game. He does not like yep. throwing the ball a lot. Because I feel like. I feel like he's a very academic, you know, uh, well-prepared man. So he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, you know, take the chance of uh, throwing a pick or something like that uh, in in key situations. You know, he'd rather run the ball if he can. But also, I, I will do a small caveat, and I feel like part of that's because when you have Kirk Cousins at quarterback, uh, you know, he's not bad, 
but he's also, I would not put him in the elite category to where I trust him to make tons of downfield throws. You know, he can occasionally make some of those throws if you need him to, um, but that's not what you want to rely on in their offensive scheme, uh, especially with Zimmer at the, at the helm of the offense. And then on the flip side for the Packers, I look to see how Aaron Rodgers reacts to a uh, kind of tumultuous offseason in which, you know, we take another quarterback with Jordan Love to see whether how Rodgers will respond to that. I think Packer Nation, uh, I know Packer Nation is uh, out there hoping that this will kind of light a fire under Rodgers and, uh, you know, kind of propel him forward. And maybe we'll see some MVP caliber play again. That's uh, that's obviously the, the hope for Packer Nation out there. Uh, and let's just kind of hope that this draft class this year will uh, turn out to be better than it's looking uh in the present, you know, um, because if you have a couple flips in that draft class, like let's say A.J. Dillon becomes a stud running back and Josiah Dubois against all odds somehow manages to factor heavily in the offense, he's, even if he's a good utility player, uh, you can kind of start flipping some of those people's perspectives in the draft class. Uh, I think it, as time has moved on, I like the draft class a lot more than I originally did. Uh, I don't necessarily love it. I never will love it because I think we definitely made some mistakes, as I talked about in last week's episode. But I think there's some areas in which this draft class could help us out. So that that's my opinion on the on the week on the week one games and uh, sort of just the some of the big stories in the league this year. Uh, okay. And do you have any more opinions on that? Um, I mean, you said everything pretty well to talk about that Titans Broncos game. Um, we will, I will talk about, um, NFL, um, coronavirus schedule, uh, or the NFL schedule provisions with the, or flexibility with the coronavirus in a second. But, um, something I wanted to add to what you said about the Tennessee and Denver matchup, if there is, cause there, there could potentially be, uh, you know, pre all the preseason games could potentially be canceled folks they've talked about that that's why they don't have the dates or time set for any of them they just have the opponents they're not going to know until probably july ish if they're if we're going to even have the preseason which i mean to be honest i'd be fine with if they just got rid of it but i know the players those young players really need it and those guys need those games to prove to you know to show that they can or they need to prove that they can that they're good enough to make the team and those games help them a lot but um Anyways, to go back to um, Denver and Tennessee, no preseason is going to hurt Drew Locke heavily. And we all, we also have to remember something that you didn't mention is that both those defenses, Tennessee and Denver, are very good defenses. Uh, so Drew Locke is like Tennessee. I should have mentioned that it, it might not be the most entertaining Monday Night Football game in existence. To watch. No, it, it probably won't if be. You like off, if you like offense, I would probably recommend not watching that game, actually. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you got to watch it. Over-under, 15 points. <laughs> ah, it's over. It's over for sure. <laughs> Are you sure? That's a really low over-under. Like, I, I know, but have you seen these two offenses on the season when there's not going to be a lot of pressure? I feel like there's going to be a lot of hammering. Average seven and a half points. That If it was 15 points, that's what they would average. That's that's ridiculous. I could see, see a 10 to 3 finish. I could see 25, but 15, that's that's too defensive. I see. <laughs> um, with no with no uh, off season work, potentially that could happen. Where there's just so many, yeah, but there could be turnovers, which could lead to po- easier points as well. So stay well, tuned, folks. Maybe over if that's you're saying fifteen points. That's maybe it. Ben and I will will uh, take a bet on over under fifteen points. We'll talk about that a little bit more off. Uh, bet off you want to win. 
That's a hard uh, win, bro. That that's a bet you will not win. Well, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> Wait, let me continue where I was here. Um, what was I saying? Oh, Drew Locke being a young quarterback, you know, with these new weapons, was what what they would have at at the least is like a um is training camp, you know, an isolated training camp, which you know I, I think is still possible with the conditions of today. So they would have that potentially, and potentially to have no preseason. And to have a lock get thrown in on Monday Night Football, you know, he had five starts last year, or was it five or six starts? I'm sorry, uh, I don't remember. Also, to correct myself, before Zimmer, he started coaching the Vikings in 2014, not 2015. But, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> um, Tennessee though, you know, they were a well-oiled machine last year. Uh, even if Tannehill doesn't play super well, the defense I think is good enough to stop an underprepared Drew Lock and a. Um, just a young offense that I think has to like, they have, I know that they're, they're talented, but they got to get like some chemistry together first before they're good. So that's why I think Tennessee is definitely going to win that game. And that, uh, that'll help them, you know, with the lack of chemistry with Denver and the lack of preparation I just, in the preseason. I can't decide who I have less faith in Ryan Tannehill or Drew Locke. For me, that's a hard conversation. Like, I don't know who I have I, I got to look at the rest of the teams, though. And the rest of the teams, I, Tennessee's a better team right now with because the offense in Denver is unproven. So that's why yeah, overall – and Tannehill's a veteran. I understand, you know, he's up and down. But I, I trust Ryan Tannehill more than I do Drew Locke right now. See, but I feel like the X factor could really be Melvin Gordon if you're a Broncos fan. Uh, I know they they love Philip Philip Lindsay over there in Denver, uh, and no disrespect to Philip Lindsay, I mean the man can play, but when you look at someone who's got the tools of, of Melvin Gordon, uh, I mean that could be. I, I really feel like Melvin has yet to fully show how good he really is in the NFL. I don't know what do you think about that, Ben. His twenty eighteen uh, season was pretty good for Gordon. It was pretty good, but yeah. like uh, you know, in college he showed electrifying moves and speed, and I feel like the Chargers. That's against worse defenses, though, man. You got to remember that. Well, no, I, I, no, no, I understand that. I'm not expecting his college numbers, but I think if you were to ask most people coming out of college the, about the things Melvin Gordon would be doing in the NFL right now, most people would say he's kind of underachieved so far. Um, and I love Melvin, and I feel like I just feel like there's there's a statement he can make here in Denver where he can prove that you know he's one of the better running backs in the league still. He's getting up there in age a little bit, I'll admit. Um, so hopefully he can start making that statement soon because as far as running backs go, usually when you turn the corner of late 20s and the early 30s, you stop being as effective as you have been. Now, you look at someone like Mark Ingram, that's different, but also Mark Ingram's not someone who relies on speed and athleticism a lot. He's more of a you know, in-your-face kind of power back guy. I mean, he's still a little speedy, but you know what I'm saying? That's not his main game. So... Late twenties is pushing it. Come on, thirties when the running backs actually start to regress, and usually it's a I mean, quick regression. But it, it really, it really depends on the player. Um, Gurley's a, a unique situation because he injured his knee, and he's—I know he's only well, twenty-five, so he's—he does not count in my opinion because well, he's, he's not late twenties. Gurley's different. I'm not—I'm not comparing okay. Melvin Gordon to Todd Gurley. That's a completely different scenario. Um, but I'm—I'm I'm just saying when you look at stereotypically people who have relied upon speed and athleticism at the running back position, usually when they hit the other side of 20, or when they hit, like, the other side of the 20s and they get and they push early 30s, 
eventually usually they start slowing down, which makes them less productive running backs because they've relied on speed and athleticism their whole careers. And you can look at, there's a bunch of prototypes out there for it. If you look at people like Darren Sproles, or you look at people like, I don't know, like someone like Maurice Jones-Drew, who were like very productive at the beginning of their careers, but that's because they had a lot of speed and athleticism. And then like, once that speed starts degrading, usually running backs that rely upon that are not able to be as productive as they were. That's all I'm trying to say about that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, all right, am I? Are we able to go into the NFL schedule coronavirus flexibility? Or are you anything yep. you want to say? Okay, no, I'm, I'm good. All right, so some flexibility the NFL has included in this 2020 schedule. Uh, first of all, they said um, fans being at the games is very up in the air right now. I'd say it's most likely not but the Miami Dolphins also proposed like something where like a 15,000 fans because they um, have the seats very separated and the concessions would be done a certain way to where people will not be within six feet of each other and they would require masks to games that was just a proposal from them that hasn't been like accepted or denied but um, anyway some other things in this uh, flexibility They've also talked about, as I said earlier, the preseason could potentially just get canceled all as a whole. That's not, you know, confirmed or denied yet either. We have no idea. Um, the start of the season could, but this is um, from Adam Schefter, by the way. So the start of the season, if it's delayed, like if it's the coronavirus is what it is now, and they don't feel like it's, you can play games. The the be, the beginning weeks of the seasons, however however many they they delay, will get will get pushed on after week seventeen. So let's say. The NFL decides the first three weeks of the season, it's not safe. We're going to cancel it. It could go, then the, the season, let's say it starts week four. It will start with the week four games, but then it will get pushed back. Like it will go week four through 17 and then it'll go one, two, three is what they're talking about potentially doing. Uh, I hope that's not the case, to be honest, because that would kind of ruin our, our really good week one schedule there. And those games were meant to kick off the season. So I think it would kind of ruin a lot of things. Um, Super Bowl 55. Could because the NFL is planning on playing a full 16 game season, you know, regular playoffs. Well, I guess now they're new because they added, you know, there's now 17 teams in each conference instead of six. So, yeah, want to play their, their new expanded playoffs. So, they do not want to cancel games. That is the last thing they want to do. They want to play uh, a full season. Um, but, anyways, Super Bowl 55, they said if the season gets delayed, they would be prepared to push it back to the end of February. I've heard reports that they'd even be okay playing it the Super Bowl as early as as like um or as late as early April. So you could potentially see a March or April Super Bowl if if the season really gets delayed, which I mean I'd be okay with as long as we get, you know, all, you know, 16 games of full playoff yeah. and mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Well, um, don't have who are they going to compete with in the spring? Does it really matter? Like uh yeah, like the NBA or baseball, but yeah, that that's the NFL. NFL is, is the king so, of all sports leagues in America. So yes, yeah, they'll get they'll get plenty of viewers. Yes, they, they destroy other leagues by viewer viewership. They don't their their viewers are never down. Anyways, um, also um, week two every every opponent, um, uh, so every team shares the same bye week as their week two opponent. So they talked about if it gets really delayed potentially eliminating buys, which I think the NFL PA would potentially be against because, you know, they, the players like having their bye week. I think the NFL would almost be against it too because they lose TV ratings because it's a 17-week season with 16 games. That's a whole extra week of games on TV. So I think the NFL mm-hmm. even would not like that. 
as well as the Players Association. Um, they've also talked about, I don't know what this means, but it says in the provisions, uh, any week could serve as opening week. Oh, duh, that's what I said before. Like, let's say the season gets delayed four weeks. Week five could be the starting week. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope it doesn't get delayed by like one or two weeks because like the week three, two and three Thursday night football games are pretty bad. And I'd really hate to have the season start like Browns Bengals or like some like really bad game. <laughs> what do you think of that, Lucas? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, do you have more to say on overall? Or can I just give you some general reactions based on what you um, said? No, I, I think I've said all the major points. Okay, so um, I want to just kind of start with saying uh, some kind of good news here. Well, not kind of good news. Some definitely good news coming here from Wisconsin just overall. Uh, while, uh, while we've had increased testing, while the coronavirus cases have gone up uh, in total number, the percentages of people testing positive per test has gone down. So the overall trend which is uh, really the more important thing because, you know, in general, and I'm, okay, I'm going to also say that I'm not a doctor, so please do not quote me on any of the things that I'm saying. This is just the understanding that I have. And with Ben and I talking about such a sensitive topic, please know that we're trying to do this with the uh, utmost sense of sensitivity here, and uh, we're just trying to talk about possible sports um, scenarios. But I just wanted to say on a positive note that that trend of percentage of people testing positive per test uh, has gone down. So that's a good sign, uh, especially in Wisconsin. Um, it's going down in Wisconsin. I can't speak for other states. Um, but uh, here, home in the Badger State, where Ben and I are currently broadcasting, and probably where most of our vis- viewers are living right now, uh, it's uh, it's a good sign. So that's, uh, that's the first thing I wanted to say. Um, but to get back to uh, sort of the uh, NFL stuff, which is what we are meant to talk about here in this segment, I think that uh, I think that overall, uh, if the trends keep going the way they are, we're going to see a downtick in coronavirus. So the NFL will probably have a pretty solid chance of starting on time. Uh, but one thing I do worry about, uh, I've heard multiple people say at some point uh, that uh, multiple credible people, by the way, not uh, not just people commenting on Facebook posts, but I've heard that there's a threat that uh, coronavirus could come back for a second wave in the fall. Uh, once it starts to get colder outside again, because the one thing I've actually learned from this is that viruses like cold weather. Um, so when it, I've heard people say that there might be another snap of it when it gets cold again. Now, hopefully by that time we have better policies in place as a country or just general ways to yeah, deal hopefully, with it. Hopefully we're better prepared is what the goal, yeah. what the NFL is hoping as well as a country well, yeah. we're prepared for that and we can handle it and even if you know we play with no fans and players are isolated, we can still. Okay, I'm gonna get to that though. Give me a second. <laughs> Sorry, I realize there's a lot of build up. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so the NFL is definitely betting on what you were saying, Ben. They're hoping. They're hoping that. They're hoping that uh, we as a country just have better ideas and feelings as far as the virus goes, so that uh, they can sort of start out. Now, I I think that the reality that is that I don't think that OTAs are gonna happen. Uh. I highly doubt that training camp will happen. If training camp happens, I, I think it's extremely abbreviated. They and need a training I, camp, though, no matter what. So if the season well, starts late, they're going to have a couple weeks for sure. Of well, a- but what, but what I mean is I, I see them eliminating the preseason completely, and I see them doing like two or three. It's not worth I see them meaningful games. Exactly. And I, and I see them playing maybe like two or three weeks of training camp and then regular games starting. I, I don't see them having a preseason in this scenario. I think it's too much of a risk if you're the NFL, and I think they're going to take the time to better prep for the regular season, personally. I agree. I, that, I totally agree. I think that that's probably what, what is most likely to happen. 
Uh, overall, I like the plan. I think it's pretty feasible. Um, I don't see fans in the stands this year. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Personally, just because I don't think the NFL is going to want to take that risk, even if we're in a better, um, even if we're in a better spot as a country in terms of the coronavirus at that point, I don't think we're going to see NFL games with fans this year, and I think that that's completely okay to be honest. It's going to be a little different, and it's not going to be the same. But you know, nothing through this crisis has been the same. But the fact that we might get some NFL football with um, some actual live sports, I think. I think it's a bitter pill that I think America might, is probably going to have to swallow as far as not having fans in the stands for most major sports until until we have some sort of vaccine or until, you know, this is really kind of a, a thing in the past to the point where we figure out how to deal with it, where it's not quite nearly as big of a deal as it is now. Would you agree with that, Ben? I would. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on what I was going to say because I, I always had so many different thoughts when you were talking. So uh, continue. Continue. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, so just generally overall, I think the NFL schedule, um, I don't think that, again, I agree with the Chiefs that I don't think they're going to eliminate bye weeks. Uh, I think I think the bye weeks are going to stay in there, um, especially if you're doing a, a abbreviated training camp and you're not having a preseason. I don't think the players would agree to, the players union in the NFL would agree to let their players play without bye weeks just from a medical perspective. The NFL makes so much money, though. They would lose so much TV revenue from eliminating pretty much well, yeah. the season that they, they – But I'm uh, saying – Yeah. Collectively, it would have to be because – because of the way that it would have to work, I have to imagine that it would have to be collectively bargained between the NFL and the players. And I highly doubt the players' union would agree to uh, to skip a bye week to play the season. Yeah, they won't, they won't agree to that at all. Another exactly. thing I thought of – they talked about eliminating the Pro Bowl potentially – like, even if they still have the season on time, just because that's another meaningless game, just like the preseason where it doesn't affect anyone's win losses, which I'm okay with that just for this year. Can I just give a side note on the Pro Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I think the NFL, uh, just a couple of side notes about the way that I think the NFL ruined the Pro Bowl. Uh, number one, I think they should have never moved it before the Super Bowl. That was stupid. It should have always been an after-the-season sort of thing. You put it a week or two after the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl is a lot more relaxed. People aren't worried about what's going to happen the next week. The NFL just got bitter and wanted some er, and wanting something on the weekend before the Super Bowl, so they moved the Pro Bowl there, thinking they could get viewership because they're greedy. Two, I think that they should have never made it a non-actual game. If you're gonna play a game, nobody wants to watch a game of flag football on TV. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. If you're gonna be the NFL and you're gonna put on a football game, you either let them play a football game or you don't let them play at all. So. You know, we have to get if if the NFL ever wants the Pro Bowl to be big again, like it was like previously, or whether I don't like think they care it. about the Pro Bowl anymore. That's why it's okay. But, big. but hear me out though. If the, if they ever want the NFL, if the NFL ever wants the Pro Bowl to be as good as it ever as it ever was, which I, I personally I remember watching some really fun Pro Bowl games when it was still a game, they have to let people hit people. I know they don't want injuries, but. Honestly, if they ever want anybody to ever watch that game again, they're gonna have to make it an actual football game because they I could agree. do fun. They could do fun things and mic up players and and whatnot, like they're doing now. You know, everybody loved that fan experience. But if you look at like the golden age of the Pro Bowl, they played actual football with actual hitting and actual sacking. Well, that was the early two thousands. The Pro Bowl was really yeah. good. the twenty ten yeah. it started to get ruined. Exactly, and what the hell is the point of if you're a defensive end? What the hell is the point of being in Pro Bowl selection when you can't really even sack the quarterback? And blitz. Why can't you blitz? You should be able to do uh, exactly. every regular game. 
But that's this yeah. is another topic. Well, and, can, well, yeah, and, and the NFL is all worried about injuries and stuff, which is a valid point. But I mean, if they ever want people to watch the Pro Bowl again, they're gonna have to make it an actual game. But that's not the point. Uh, as far as the Pro Bowl in its current state, that was just a side note to kind of explain why I agree with you. While I still like the pro the concept of the Pro Bowl, I think it it's kind of ruined right now until the NFL decides to make it an actual game again. So. I agree. Uh, all right, are we ready to move on? Yep. All right, so introducing our next topic, what do we think of the Green Bay Packers schedule? Let me, our you know, our favorite team, you know, as we reside in Wisconsin, let me go through all the games, and then, Lucas, you can have first dibs on what you think of the schedule. Uh, so, obviously, the Packers coming off a 13-3 and season that saw them uh, with under um, head coach Matt LaFleur's first season. We went 13-3. and Um you got blown out in the NFC Championship by the 49ers, as we did in Week 12 last year. So obviously that's a big game to look for on the schedule. Also, uh, obviously, you know, our offseason moves, um, not really addressing the receiver position besides signing Devin Funches. Dra- trading up to draft Jordan Love in the first round was crazy as our quarterback of the future. Or I mean, I, I like it. I'm not, I'm not saying crazy as a bad thing. I'm saying crazy as a, it was very surprising. It was unprecedented. People didn't see it coming. That's what- Yes. Okay, so... Um, obviously, and then people were mad with the draft because they didn't draft a receiver. Uh, as we know, they drafted offensive linemen uh, and, you know, A.J. Dillon in the second round. They want to be a more power running team, and that's and a tight end in Devoir. So that's what they drafted. But, okay, so that's kind of recaps the offseason a little bit. Let's go into this schedule. So obviously, I said already, on Sunday, September 13th, they kick off the season at Minnesota. Then they go back home to play the Detroit Lions. In week three, they had two New Orleans, which I think is going to be a really tough game in that environment. It depends how Drew Brees is looking at this point. I mean, he's 41. He could fall off the wagon at any point. Let's be real. Um, week four, this game, I don't like the NFL doing this. The Green Bay Packers, specific, I know I was supposed to just read off the schedule, but this this just kind of triggered me. Okay, so on Saturday, October 3rd, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers are playing Notre Dame in Lambeau Field. The Packers specifically requested to be on the road this week. And what does the NFL do? At least they didn't give them a Sunday game, so so the crew has some time to re- prepare. But they give them a Monday night football game hosting the Atlanta Falcons two days after Wisconsin plays Notre Dame at Lambeau. Like, really? Like, come on. But maybe the NFL is thinking that because college season is more likely to be canceled than the NFL because they've said that they want... This is a whole other topic, sorry. But they've said that they want like um, school to be in person and even then, they still might cancel sports. Like college sports are way less likely to happen than professional. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll continue the schedule when you're done. Um, just a side comment on the college thing. Um, recently, people have been reversing those positions. I've heard oh, that university. I've heard some university. There's. I heard a report that um, university presidents now are kind of flip flopping on some, some of them at least, where they're saying that they might have those college football games even if there's no students there. Well, yeah, because they'll lose so much money, well, they'll lose so much revenue. And that's and that's why I, uh, I, I think there's gonna personally, if I had to bet on it right now, and this might be sort of a hot take because I would not have told you this a week ago, um, but I think there is a college football season in some way, shape, or fashion, whether it happens in the fall like it normally does, or when they move it to the spring and do it in the spring. Uh, as far as revenue goes, like I, they're gonna have to play some sort of season unless. And this is the interesting part of this, Ben, is um, this is the part you don't hear a lot of people talk about, especially on sports shows. But the revenue that the football teams generate for their colleges goes way beyond athletic programs. Like, oh, I know. Revenue, it pays the revenue for- pays for uh, parts of the school just in general. So it, there are schools that if they don't play college football seasons could be 
in really deep financial trouble, even worse than they are right now, or Luke, could potentially be. To add on to that, though, uh, this is a whole other topic. The um, why they how they get most of that revenue? I mean, obviously the bigger schools, um, uh, obviously we're talking about D one solely here, but the bigger schools though they get a lot of their money, or I mean maybe not them because you know they get uh, TV money and stuff, but um, most of the schools their biggest their most of their revenue comes from fans in the stand. So if you can't have any fans in the stand, I think they're wasting more money playing the games than they would be earning. Oh. Well, they'd still be making a profit, but the profit margin would be so much smaller than if, if yeah, they were full fans. Zero profit. And personally, I disagree with you. I don't think they make that much money off fans in the stands. If you look at TV content, they, they do. I've heard it on Tiki and Tierney talked about it, how they even the NFL, they said, would lose a lot of money with fans in the stands and how that could potentially okay. hurt the salary but, next year. I understand they're losing money, but I don't think that's where they make most of their money, especially in college football when you look at TV contracts. Like, they make a lot of money on fans in the stands, but... I think it's close to 50-50. It's, it's closer to 50-50 than you think. It might be like okay. 40 or something. But, but still, if you go back to that, then well, 60% of the pie and 60% of the profit is better than all, a net negative view with the full pie. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but yeah, it's going to be hard. People's salaries are going to have to... I know, obviously players don't make any money but things like are gonna, th- okay, things are going to change like yeah those coaches and athletic director salaries are going to have to cut be cut dramatically other people the way that, yeah the way that college sports function just in general after this is going to be different um but well, that's all from the topic maybe uh if there's some interest out there or if you and I decide this this is an interesting topic we can go more into this uh next week yeah, uh, we got a lot of topics still to discuss today. Actually, we might have to cut well, today's topics for next well, week. Let's let's get through the let's let's get through the schedule here. So you stopped at week four with the Falcons. Yes. So just to recap, week one at Minnesota, week two home against Detroit, week three at New Orleans, week four home against the Falcons, week five the Packers get an early buy. I dislike that. I hate buys that early because seems like some teams get, you know, the earliest is week four, week five, which I don't like. And then the latest is like week 12 or 13. And both of those situations are bad. I mean, the, the late one's probably better, but the week five by, I think is horrible. Week six at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Week seven at the Houston Texans. Week eight home against the Minnesota Vikings. Week nine, Thursday night football at the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, we can't play them in Green Bay ever, but you know, I, I see how it is. <laughs> um, Week 10, uh, home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week 11, at the Indianapolis Colts. Week 12, home against the Chicago Bears. Week 13, home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Week 14, at the Detroit Lions. Week 15, home against the Carolina Panthers. Week 16, Sunday Night Football, home against the Tennessee Titans. Week 17, at the Chicago Bears to finish this 2020 season. Lucas, what do you have to say about that schedule? I have my opinions, but it, it'll take like a second, but I'll, I'll go after you. Uh, so uh, let's keep it kind of brief because um, obviously but with the way we talked about the schedule, it's correctly possibly changing depending upon what's going on with coronavirus and what the NFL decides to do with the start of their season. Pretend like it doesn't change at all. Pretend like it's exactly um, what it is. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that to a point, but I, that was basically just my caveat of saying my opinions you could change depending okay, on. Okay, okay. That's what I'm saying, uh, too. But. Um, that week, one game against the Vikings, um, with that being an away game, I feel like that's a really tough way to start the season. Uh, it's not necessarily a loss by any means, 
Um, but that's a really tough way to start the season, especially with the Vikings probably looking for some revenge over what happened them last year uh, when they were on the cusp of making the playoffs and be basically were one of the sole reasons reasons that they didn't late in the season. Obviously, they had their own internal reasons. They made the playoffs, the dude. They lost. They made it to the division. Oh, they did. That's they right. They beat the little... wild card round and they lost to San Francisco. Oh, excuse me. But I think they're still a little pissed we won the division is what I was trying to say. Okay, because, um, yeah, they went 10-6. and six. They made the playoffs. They were a good team. Yeah. They were a good team. So they're going to be a good team again this year. I have no doubt. They had a good draft class. Um, but they lost to Von Diggs. That would be interesting to see what that does to their offense. Uh, week three against the Saints at, in New Orleans. That's going to be a very tough game. Um, I know you made the caveat of saying, well, let's see how good Drew Brees is. Well, in the Superdome, Drew Brees – Week three of the season, I think he's still going to have a fresh arm no matter what. You look at Michael Thomas, uh, that's a scary team. It's Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and all those weapons on offense. Plus, Emmanuel Sanders, that team. Yeah, that's going to be a scary game if you're a Packers fan. I think we'll find out a lot about our defense, at least early in the season that game. We'll find out what they're going to be up to this season, you know, what kind of level they're going to be up to. Uh, The Falcons, that'll be interesting. At least we get that one at home on Monday Night Football. Uh, hopefully, even if the college season is going, hopefully the turf is uh, well by then. Week five at the Bucks. That's a very difficult game. Um, no matter what I say about the Bucks and whether Brady might be uh, taking some steps back, the team has a lot of talent on it. So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where the Bucks are at that point of the season. At the Texans is another very tough game, and then we get the Vikings again at week in week eight. I feel like that's also very tough. And week nine we go at San Francisco. I feel like the first nine weeks of the season are going to be um, really telltale for what this Packers team is going to do this year, uh, as far as just how they how they might fare. Because I feel like the first nine weeks of the season are definitely a lot more challenging than the last seven. Um, I agree. That's all I was going to say is I don't like how. It seems like in this schedule, they play a lot of tough teams on the road and a lot of bad teams at home. And they play all the, a lot of those tough road teams the first half of the season, which I don't like. But at least it's an easy finish. That's that's all I wanted to say on the schedule. I have nothing else to say to that. And I hate the week five bye. That, that's all I wanted to say about it. You can continue. Yeah, I, no, I, I honestly think that um, that's pretty, pretty most of what I had to say about the schedule. It's going to be kind of hard to see. Until uh, we start seeing the teams play, really. It, that's kind of kind of a caveat to say, but really after week one, you usually find out a lot about what teams may or may not be that year. Obviously, teams can bounce back after poor starts, but just in general, you might see some sort of trends you might be able to pick up upon after week one. So as far as right now goes, that's kind of... What, what's your record prediction? What, what's a record prediction? I'll give mine after you. Um, honestly, uh, I'm a little concerned about the start. Um, not necessarily because Rodgers and the team aren't veterans. I, I, I can see them winning the first couple of games. Um, I think that that game in New Orleans could be a trap game. Uh, I'm a little concerned about that one. I'm a little concerned about the Buccaneers game. I don't like them over the 49ers as much as I'm not high on the 49ers. I struggle with that one. I feel like the Eagles at home is going to be a tough game. The Eagles usually play us very difficult, and if Carson Wentz is healthy at that point, which obviously could be a big if, that might be a challenging game. Tennessee, we all already know, is going to play good defense against us. I feel like Rodgers, as long as Rodgers is playing well, though, that could be that should be a win. I look at somewhere, I look at somewhere around eleven and five for us this year. Okay, it might be it might be a little positive, but. 
I was thinking either nine and seven or ten and six, and I'm leaning more towards ten and six uh, with seven teams in the playoffs now. Obviously, three wild cards. I think the Packers 100% are in the playoffs. I'd be um, I'd be shocked if a team went 13 and three and missed the playoffs the next year. But I believe they had eight one possession games last year. I, I've heard this stat recently, and they went seven and one in those, and that is really hard to do in the NFL to have that good of a record in one possession games. So that's why I see the, the dip. And because this, this schedule is kind of tough. That's why I see the dip from, from 13 and three to 10 and six. But uh, honestly, I don't know if they can win the divi- the division though. I know Minnesota is a tough schedule, but I think they're talent wise. I'm going to be honest here. I think the talent wise are even last year were a better team than the Packers. But yeah, um, I just, I disagree on that. I, I don't know. I, I see why people like Minnesota, but until they have a quarterback who can perform on, on any you know prime time stage, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna beat the Packers. You beat so, the Saints in New Orleans on a wild card weekend. What do you want from that man? <laughs> yeah, and then he came out and laid a massive egg on division yeah, round. You know who else the massive round egg on the 49ers? Aaron Rodgers. So well, well this is a this is a yeah. Aaron Rodgers also was bad against the Niners, is what I'm thumbs down on Kirk Cousins, is what I'm saying. Sorry, Kurt. I don't believe in you. I I think that that week twelve game, what well, you can't the 49ers defensive line is so good. You cannot be bad in that game. You're, so. answer, just answering your question, how many games has he won on Monday Night Football in his career? Just tell me that. That doesn't mean anything. It just no, 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 answer the question. How many how many how many Monday Night Football games has he won? I will not give you the answer because that answer is irrelevant to the topic. It's not irrelevant. The answer is zero. The answer I'm, not is saying, zero. I'm not saying he's elite, but I think he's definitely a better quarterback than Lucas does. That's just. I'm, I'm not, not saying he's a trash kid. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is if you're a Vikings fan, he's not going to take you to the promised land. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, and I don't think he's good enough to beat Aaron Rodgers in the division because Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. Yeah, but it's not all about quarterback play. Otherwise, the Packers would have won four Super Bowls already. It's about the quarterback has a big factor into it, but it, the team as a whole, his Minnesota Viking team, is very good as a whole. They have a good defense. They have Dalvin Cook. They you know you know have Adam Thielen. Uh, obviously, now you lost Diggs, but you try to replace that production with Justin Jefferson. Okay. If Kyle Rudolph, so I mean, but then but but then why haven't the Badgers won like? Six national championships in college football. Because their quarterback was so bad that it it, it just wrecked the rest of the team. That okay. Hey, 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 can, can, can you can you let me make this comparison though? Because I think sure. it's more valid than you think it is. I'm not saying the NCAA and NFL are the same thing. So before everybody adds me, I just want to make the comparison that if you look at the way the the Badgers have historically ran their offense and defense, it's very similar to what Mike Zimmer does in the NFL. It's very conservative. You pound the ball as much as you possibly can, and you ask your QB to legitimately only make throws on, like, late downs usually, and usually you don't ask your QB to take a lot of shots on the field because you're confident in your defense and the way that they're playing. That philosophy translates almost directly into what Mike Zimmer does with the Vikings. Now, I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is not more talented than a lot of the quarterbacks that the Badgers have put behind center. But... What I am telling you is that I think there's a decent comparison behind that and the way that Kirk Cousins has been playing. I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback, but what I am saying is that if he was a better quarterback, then maybe they would have a chance at winning those tough games and winning winning a Super Bowl. Dude, some of those Badgers quarterbacks like Alex Hornibrook could hardly throw a football. Kirk Cousins can make NFL throws. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. And so this comparison is just 
terrible in my opinion not even valid at all like th- this is this is a kind okay, of but ben, but ben, you're, you're, you're looking at this the wrong way alex hornerbrook could make ncaa throws he never had to make nfl throws he couldn't make NCAA throws. there was high school quarterbacks better than this man that man was garbage no that's <laughs> you, you're just a badgers quarterback hater now i'm not saying that the badgers well, are only good quarterback ever <laughs> No, Joel Stavi was a completely serviceable quarterback, but that's a whole other debate. Oh, he wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, and you know why you think he wasn't that good? Because he literally only was asked to make plays on, like, third down. And when he couldn't make those plays, he looked like trash, which is what's happening to Kirk Cousins. So, Oh, my God. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, if you looked at his stats, he is so efficient. He doesn't do a lot in this Minnesota offense because Zimmer doesn't Exactly, he doesn't do a lot. No, listen, because Zimmer doesn't like to play that way. If Kirk Cousins in, in Washington, that team was awful. He's carrying that team to seven. How many Monday Night Football games do you win in Washington, Ben? None, because the team the was awful. They good teams every time on Monday Night Football. All right. Well, I, think we've, uh, I think we've exhausted this topic. What's next? Kirk Cousins is not a terrible quarterback. And any Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. That system, they are very, very conservative, and the quarterback puts up efficient numbers. He's not going to wow you with his numbers but look at 2018 Kirk Cousins numbers when that O-line was playing horrible and Dalvin Cook couldn't run the ball Kirk Cousins had amazing stats how many playoff games has Kirk Cousins won one two Uh, he's won two right one against the Saints his first win no no they didn't win that game against the Saints because remember they won the the Saints this year I'm talking about this year and the game oh. two years ago against the Saints, or three years ago, Cousins wasn't the quarterback. That was Keenum. And they did win that game with the Minneapolis Miracle. You're mixing up regular season and playoff games. Okay. Like, here's the deal. They how, played how, how, a lot. They got a big okay. ride. The, the point is, how many, like, how far has Kirk Cousins got in the playoffs? Has he gotten he past the divisional round? He's never no. passed the divisional round. Exactly. Because that's, that's when the pressure starts to hike up. And as soon as you hike up the pressure on Kirk Cousins, He's not as good of a quarterback. I, I agree that we've exhausted this topic. We're going to move on. Also, Lucas, I'm going to ask you this over the airwaves. Oh, we, should, can we cut the NBA and MLB potential proposals? They haven't even really been proposed, and they're kind of just yeah. We will, rumors we'll that each commissioner's talked about. They're not official plans, so we're going to scrap those from the show. Otherwise, this show would be three hours long. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go into yeah. now some quarterback moves that we did not talk about last week because we were talking about the draft. Let's talk about some off-season quarterback moves. Obviously, we saw recently. We're gonna talk about a couple weeks ago how they're still free agents and we're surprised. Or well, Andy Dalton wasn't, but we knew he was gonna get moved. But um, so those moves included uh, Jameis to the Saints, uh, Andy Dalton to the Cowboys. And Cam Newton, you know, the 2015 MVP Cam Newton, you know, he's had some injuries the last couple seasons. You know, that shoulder, that that foot, even his knees at times not looking the best. What do you think about, what's your opinion on Jameis going to the Saints, Andy Dalton to the Cowboys, obviously both of them in backup roles, and Cam still being a free agent? Remember, he said he, well, at first he said he was not uh, open to a backup role, but he said in the last week and a half or so, he is open to a backup role with the right team with, on a good team, um, which I, I you'll well, you'll add to this. I was gonna say like he has kind of a diva personality and he has to be the man. So I don't think Cam Newton. I could never see him as a backup. Like he he's gonna go there. He's gonna get a lot of attention. I I could never see that that guy as a backup unless it's behind a really like young or bad quarterback, which right, so, he probably win the starting job then. But um, anyway, hear your opinions on this. 
I'm gonna take this. Uh, I'm gonna take this in two parts. First of all, I'm gonna talk about the two QBs, uh, two QBs who signed, uh, and then I'm gonna talk about potential landing spots for Cam Newton. Okay. So, uh, the first part of this, A.D. Dalton, I think made a tremendous mistake. <laughs> I, I personally, I think that was stupid. Uh, he's not. He. I think basically what Jerry Jones did was use him as leverage for Dak Prescott's contract. I really think that's the only thing that that move does for the Cowboys. I think that. That and move it was a good backup where if Dak were to get hurt this year, the season's not in the toilet. I think Andy Dalton, sorry to interrupt you, but I think Andy Dalton is going to be the best, or is as a, you know, on paper, but, the best backup quarterback in the league is Andy Dalton. For, yeah, but if you're Andy Dalton, why would you immediately put yourself in a situation where you probably won't play? Dak Prescott has no injury history, and he, all signs point to him playing a full season. I'm not saying, I get why Jerry Jones did it, but I don't get why Andy Dalton did it. Andy like, Dalton did it because the Bengals released him so yeah, late. I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay, fine. Sorry. There's a report out there that Andy Dalton had six or seven other offers out there, and he chose the Cowboys amongst those other offers. It is very, very hard for me to believe that there was not a better situation out there for him to get immediate playing time. And if Andy Dalton wants to prove that Andy Dalton deserves another big contract and to be a starter in this league, the way that he can best do that is by getting on the field. And he is not maximizing his chances of getting on the field when he signs with the Dallas Cowboys. I personally, I definitely get why Jerry Jones made the decision. He's the most serviceable backup in the league. I get that. But if you're Andy Dalton and you have six or seven choices, why would you put yourself in quite potentially the worst situation? I don't Especially when you. Oh, sorry, continue. Especially when you probably have offers out there. I'm I'm assuming the Patriots offer him a contract. The Patriots no, did not is what I've heard. The Patriots looked at him. The Patriots didn't offer any quarterback a deal. And they're okay. well, what, what happy is, with Stidham and Hoyer, and they think they can make Stidham the next superstar quarterback is what I've heard. Belichick well, what, has been in the in Okay, him. fine. Take that off the table. What if the Steelers offer him a contract? Why would you not go there? Big Ben is completely on the backside of his career. We don't even know. If how healthy he really is, he has a significant injury problem. And if Andy Dalton doesn't, he can beat out Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Remember, it is a one-year Andy deal. Dalton could not be in the league. It's a one-year deal, so he can just leave after this year, too. As well, I'm well aware. I just, I, I personally, I think it's a mistake. It's not. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to learn anything from Dak Prescott. Maybe he will, but like, I he just, won't. Andy Dalton's played enough where he's not going to learn anything from Dak. Okay. If anything, Andy. I, Dalton, I don't like that deal. Now, you go to Jameis. Jameis well, wait, wait, can we talk about each of them individually? Like, can I debate Andy Dalton and then you can do Jameis? Fine. Okay. What do you have to say about Andy? Andy Dalton? Is the reason the Dallas Cowboys did it, it was so smart. And even Andy Dalton did it because, one, he doesn't know what's going on with his offseason. He doesn't really want to try to learn a new offense. I think that may be factored into it. Um, but two, Dak Prescott has said he will hold out if he does not get this deal. Dak Prescott is prepared to be Ezekiel Elliott and hold out and not play. So if you're Jerry Jones, you got to get a good backup in Andy Dalton. And they, they actually paid him a fair chunk of change for if he, if he just sits on the bench, it's, it could potentially be a it's a, uh, with incentives, a $7 million deal for him just to sit on the bench. Um, but what Andy Dalton looked at it as, look at these other situations. Do I really want to go to Jacksonville where they're pretty bad which who knows if Jacksonville even offered him a deal and the Patriots I know did not I don't know any other teams where he could go to potentially compete for the starting job if I'm being honest Denver likes Drew Locke even though obviously Andy Dalton's better than him they're not gonna 
get rid of their young quarterback. Same with Washington, and this factors in with Cam as well. They like Dwayne Haskins. They want to at least try him out. They're not. There's not going to be a quarterback competition in Washington. It is Dwayne Haskins because they want to see you know their first round pick if he pans out. So if you were Andy Dalton, the only place you have a chance to start Pittsburgh, I agree. Andy Dalton could have went there. So so should have Jameis. But Andy Dalton, the best place you have a chance to start is Dallas with. Because if if Dak Prescott holds out, the reason that that's to me is the best opportunity he has to play, like and actually start besides Jacksonville, maybe. And you, why would you want to play for the bad team? Dallas is competing for a Super Bowl right now, and so what, what's going well, that's on? A whole other conversation. I think people think Dallas is a lot better than they think they. Are. Okay, well that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, I think talent wise, they're better than you do and have a chance to go far. But that they do every year and they always blow it. But now they have McCarthy. But anyways. Um, they, what was I now? Oh, Andy, well, the reason Jerry Jones did it is he, that says to me, he will not increase, he will not give Dak what he wants. Jerry Jones is set at his price. And if Dak will not take it, okay, Dak, hold out. Bye. We'll start Andy Dalton. We don't, we could really care less. I think is what Jerry Jones is telling me with this move. And Andy Dalton's like, yeah, that's actually a good chance. I know I've seen in the media how stubborn Dak Prescott is. I think there's a good chance I could be the starting quarterback of this team. And if not, you know, I go back to my home state of Texas. I, I sit on ride the bench and I, you know, if I have to go in, you know, I can help win the Cowboys some games. If not, I ride the bench for a year and then I'll get to be a free agent at the start of free agency, not get screwed over by Cincinnati where they hang on to me until a week after the draft, which to me was is a joke that they hung on to him so long and he had no opportunity to get be a starting job because I, Chicago would have got him or other teams that were got quarterbacks would have would have gotten him early because he he was probably the would have been the best one available. He's way better than Nick Foles. Chicago, that's another topic. They made a horrible choice of trading for Foles as early as they did in the offseason and having to absorb a lot of that contract. They could have signed Andy Dalton, they could have signed Jameis, they could have signed Cam Newton. Well, they made all, all better yeah. options than Nick Foles and for less money and not having to give up picks. But this that's a whole other topic. I'm off topic. That's all I have to say about Andy Dalton. Lucas, what do you have to say about Jameis to the Saints? I see why Jameis did it, and I see why the Saints did it, but uh, my my opinion on Jameis has already kind of been said multiple times in this podcast uh, in previous episodes. I don't think that he's a quarterback that will win you Super Bowls, but in this scenario, on a one-year deal with the Saints basically just drafting him just in case something happens to Drew Brees, Signing him. Drafting, signing him. Yeah, whatever. Excuse me. But the Saints just signing him just in case something happens to Drew Brees. I get it, and I understand it, and that's all right. Um, but personally, like, I wouldn't expect anything more than this year out of him because if I was the Saints, I wouldn't resign him personally. Well, it depends because... what happens. It depends what happens with Taysom Hill as well, how much they like him. To me, this shows they don't have that much confidence in him. If they're as a backup quarterback, they want to kill, still use him as the gadget guy. If they went out and signed another backup, well, personally, I wouldn't have that much confidence in Taysom Hill either. He's either a quarterback. I, I, I know. Um, so, I mean, I don't hate the move for them specifically, but I don't like Jameis's decision making on and off the football field. And I've talked about that multiple times. So I, I wouldn't – if I was the Saints and let's say Drew retires after the season and you don't go out and sign a quarterback, then I'd just draft somebody at that point. Next next year is going to have a, a pretty decent quarterback class coming out. You just draft somebody. Like start over, draft somebody. Because I don't think Jameis is going to win Super Bowls based on 
his intangibles and his decision making. And I know he has gaudy stats, but thirty interceptions is thirty interceptions. So, well, my opinion on it is very short. Um, the Saints, obviously, they don't. Tr- I, I think that shows they don't trust Taysom Hill enough. They want another backup, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, except for Jameis and Teddy Bridgewater, polar opposites. Teddy Bridgewater's a really conservative quarterback who played for Mike Zimmer, where where Mike Zimmer told him, "Hey, hand the ball off to Adrian Peterson. Don't throw interceptions. We'll play good defense. We'll win the game." And Jameis is, "My rest of my team sucks in Tampa. I need I need to carry the team. I'm going to throw for three to four hundred yards a game and throw all over the yard. And if I throw some picks, you know, so be it." But he has a problem now where his decision making, his reads are bad. His decision making is bad. And he's even said he went to New Orleans to change his career or to try to learn from Breeze and Peyton to try to get better. And so next offseason, he can get that big deal and show. And if he does get some playing time, try and show that he is diff- the different Jameis Winston. He will not, according to him, throw 30 picks again. And he and he does have the, the NFL arm talent to be in the league. But so did Jamarcus Russell. But I don't want to compare them because I feel like Jameis has a be- little better work ethic than him. But I honestly, I don't know. So I shouldn't even make that point. But, um, yeah, I think so, you know, Jameis, Jameis has taken the year to learn is pretty much what I got from this. And the Saints are not confident in Hill, so they um, they invested in someone else at the backup role. And he's making the veteran minimum. He's making a one-year $1.1 million. So Jameis is not looking for money. He, he sought out New Orleans. I heard the, the Steelers really wanted him, and they offered him a lot more money. But he said, sorry, I'm going to go learn. I know you know Big Ben supposedly is not the nicest guy to his backups, and uh, I'm going to go learn behind uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and be a better player. We'll see. Personally, I, I'm, I'm out on him at this point. But I mean, I could see that. I, I guess th- I was never – yeah, I, just, I, I guess I was never really in on Jameis, though. So um, from my perspective, I might just be not a Jameis fan. Um, but anyway – so the other topic, part of the quarterback topic, Cam Newton, personally at this point, I think he should go to the Steelers because I know he doesn't want to be a backup. He said that multiple times, but I don't really, I mean, outside of like Jacksonville, there really aren't a lot of places where you, and if you, if you sign him in Jacksonville, you're taking a massive risk because at that point you're basically alienating Gardner because we talked about it before. It'd be an, an absolute media circus if you sign him, if you sign Cam. So I think really the best situation, honestly, out of all the teams is for him to sign with the Steelers and just kind of sit there and wait for Big Ben to pass the torch to you. I, I could see that. I think that's his last resort option because there's not much else out there. Um, the problem with Cam Newton is a similar one to Andy Dalton is they waited so long to cut him that – because they tried to trade him away and other teams are good to see that how desperate they were. So they weren't going to give him anything for cam. And another part of this is the coronavirus has prevented any team doctors from giving cam Newton physicals or for him to even to work out for teams. He can't. So that, and with his injury history and him being, you know, only playing in two games last year, that if you're an NFL team, you're not going to give this guy money when you don't even know if his, how his shoulder or his foot is doing. Um, so you're not going to give this guy money without seeing him work out or, you know, having your doctors do a physical on him. And that's why you went with the other quarterbacks. And the other part of it is too, you know, him being a diva, he needs to be a starter. Um, but I feel like Mike Tomlin's really good at controlling personality. So I, I do feel like Pittsburgh, I feel like Pittsburgh could 
make this move any day now, to be honest. But, but I feel like the Chicago Bears, they made a mistake. The, instead of trading for Nick Foles, Cam Newton to Chicago, I feel like, and just make him, obviously he could have a little bit of a competition with Trubisky and Camp, but I, I feel like Cam Newton, if he's even somewhat healthy, totally blows Trubisky out. It, it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen at this point. Now, I know. Now it's too late. I'm just saying that could have happened. Um, the Jacksonville, something that just happened a couple days ago, because even Jacksonville was a place, you know, he could go maybe compete with Gardner, but I know Jacksonville likes him a lot. Um, but they just signed Mike Glennon the other day, which obviously he's not very good, but they, they signed their backup for Gardner. They That shows to me they're fully committed to Gardner and they're not going to get Cam now. And even Washington, Ron Rivera's talked about it, but that just that would just totally stunt the development of Dwayne Haskins. Obviously that yeah, whole thing Washington now, now that they, you know, got Rivera in there. They didn't draft Dwayne Haskins, obviously. So that's, so they're not attached to him in any way that this new Washington regime, well, but, but, um, okay. they're still going to try him out. They're doing their due diligence to see, Hey, we took this guy 18th overall last year. Is he right. good enough to be our guy? He's got to be our guy, at least starting out in training camp. And we got yeah, some work from him. And if you sign someone like that in Washington, really you're just fulfilling Dan Snyder's track record of, really splashy purchases with potentially not great payback. You can get people like Albert Hainsworth, who was an awful signing, and other people like that that statistically have been popular signings basically just because Dan Snyder likes to sign people he thinks will put butts in the seats, which kind of makes sense, but you got to make football moves as an owner too. You can't just make this guy looks good in my team moves, which is, yep, why Dan Snyder, which is why he really shouldn't have any say in personnel, but that's a whole other story. Um, to close out the show today, I just kind of wanted to bring up a comment that I was kind of, I was scrolling through my socials last night and I kind of just talked to Ben and I was like, we have to touch on this because I thought this take was just so ridiculous that it needed to be mentioned. Uh, last night I was scrolling through my so- socials and, you know, with the last dance stuff, a lot of people have been speaking up about the Bulls and MJ. And this is a quote from Dennis Rodman. His quote was, if LeBron was playing during the 90s, I'd still say Scottie Pippen was the second best player behind Michael, which, don't get me wrong, Scottie Pippen is a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he got the credit he deserved. But to say that he is better than LeBron James in any era is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you what you think about that, Ben, but I think that that's just stupid. Um, first of all, Dennis Rodman is crazy and I don't trust anything this guy says. He's friends with Kim Jong-un. Um, just some of the wild things he said and done over his life. He's untrustworthy. I, I totally disagree with it. LeBron, LeBron and MJ, in my opinion, are the debate is very real, very close. Both are fantastic players. And I'm learning a lot, you know, being, you know, someone who is only 20 years old, I'm learning a lot about um, Michael Jordan from watching The Last Dance. But I'm not like letting that totally change my opinion like some people who didn't see Michael Jordan. I'm still factoring in what I've seen from LeBron my entire life. Um, well, this isn't, even, this isn't even about LeBron versus MJ. It's a whole okay, story. okay. I was just going to say for sure LeBron is better than Scottie Pippen. Scottie that, was yeah, potentially the second best player in the league in the 90s behind Michael Jordan. And he was compensated like the 132nd or something wild like that. Oh, yeah. And he, that, he didn't that, get that money. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. We both we both are in agreement that's that there's no way Scottie Pippen is better than LeBron James or was better than yep. than LeBron. And LeBron was the two best in my opinion, and no one's gonna change that. Um, that's it's just my opinion. Those two are above higher on the pedestal than anyone else. 
And you know, it's bad if this NBA season can't continue. As I mean, I you know, as a Bucks fan, you know, we have the best record in the league. I want to see what we can do, and and, and what I think is a weak Eastern Conference. And you know, LeBron, and you know, he's he might never have this opportunity again. The dude's thirty five years old. He's still playing at an MVP, you know, LeBron level. He's shown no sign of decline. Got Anthony Davis, the number you know top team in the West. Obviously, you do have the, that Clippers team, which could challenge them, which I think will be a would be a fantastic well, series if it could ever be played. That Clippers. again, this is. I think we should probably wait to talk about this till we get the plan. Ben, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cutting. You I know, here. I know. We should probably end it here, guys. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening, and um, I hope have a happy Mother's Day. Wish all your mothers a happy Mother's Day, and. Um, We'll see you guys in the next one. Uh, don't know the topics yet. We will figure that out. So we're going to keep going once a week with this slow sports season. And, um, yeah. And, Lucas, anything to, add, anything to add to that? Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And uh, I hope uh, today's spent uh, with your family somehow, whether that can be in person or whether that be virtually, um, depending on what's uh, safest for everybody out there. But uh, stay well, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next week.